Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry. Then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with Trey Van Buskirk himself. And it is weird to say this, but he is now officially the second most handsome man on the podcast because we have none other True. than lightweight contender Drew Dober joining us. We told him the seat's his whenever he wants it, and he uh, sent us a message and said, I'm cashing in on that slip. I want the seat. So here we are, man. How are you? Uh, good, good. I mean, as good as one can feel, you know, after a loss. But uh yeah, no, I, I feel great. No bumps, no bruises, no injuries. I'm ready to get on to the next. I feel, yeah, like, was, yeah, I feel like Drew's most slighted dude. He's not in our intro. I was just thinking about that. I, you, know, you know what? I thought the same thing. I was literally <laughs> thinking the same thing. He's watching the intro going, why am I not in the intro? We're going to have to make an adjustment. <laughs> it's awkward. So I'm going to give you guys more highlight reels then. So we'll there we go. <laughs> Sounds good. So let me ask you this. You did say that you're you're anxious to get back in. I mean, are we talking about like a quick turn and burn, get back in? You want a full camp, get back in? What's yeah, the, really. Uh, before I even like showered up after the fight, I approached Dana and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to wash this one out of my mouth. So let's get one right away. So I said, I'll be ready June or July this summer. Like, in all honesty, I'm taking a down week and I'm back in the gym next week. So we're ready to to roll. So speaking of Dana, like before, before the fight started, let's, let's start from the beginning here. Did you, did you get to have any conversations with the big man before going into the octagon? No, no, no. I don't think you, you, you get to see Dana too often, right? He, he has his little sections that, you know, he avoids the fighters. But, no, I was too focused on uh, one other man, and he was a Russian. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. did – it was weird with the, with the clip at which finishes were happening, you know, with 259. It was the exact opposite of the previous event. I didn't know if he, like – did one of the classics that you hear about, you know, back in the background, like come to Jesus talks with everybody was like, we're not going to have all these decisions again tonight. You guys are going to go out there and get some finishes because everybody came out like a house on fire. Uh, it was, you know, thought maybe maybe he was back there trying to rally the troops behind him. I mean, fighting on a card like 259 I mean, adds a lot of motivation and hype to it. So, like, sure. you know, those eyes are watching. So, like, yeah, you got to make a statement. Right. So let's. Talk, I don't want to dwell on the night that much, but let's just a couple of quick questions about it, right? Because obviously, let's talk about it. Let's talk about you want it. To talk, okay, you want to talk I about it? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So I mean, obviously, we know the result, but you know, 
when you got out there, what were, was it, was it one of those things where you felt off? Did he present something that you weren't prepared for? I mean, I I can't imagine he did anything that you weren't prepared for. or hadn't gone over a hundred times over in in practice. So sort of, you know, it was just one of those days where it just wasn't your night or what's, was there something underlying? It was was so funny. So like uh, I get back to Denver and uh, the first like little training session I went to, uh, I saw Justin Gaethje and uh, he approached me and he goes, Right. I'm like, yeah, it definitely <laughs> felt like he's been doing that since he was four years old. Right. You know, like, like, I mean, I, I felt on point, like I felt ready. I felt I could have beaten 99% of the roster, but uh, man, the, the game that he implemented, all right. Like the, the, the things that he or he's good at, he was phenomenal at. And so, you know, I'm getting a lot of messages on my uh, social media. Like, did he feel strong or this? Like he didn't really feel strong. He didn't feel like, like any sort of like abnormal superhuman, but uh, man, like the things that he does well, he does extremely well. And like, I couldn't figure out an answer to it, you know? Sure. So, so, so what are those things that are well though? Was it like shoulder pressure from side control? Cause it kind of looks like we were all banking when we were watching, we're like, Drew, Drew's going to, he's going to thrive in the scramble. Like we know he's going to go for a takedown, but if he's able to get get that unorthodox, get out of there and then maybe land a quick, like heavy right or left, like that's where he's going to thrive. What was what was like the his game plan? Was it literally that shoulder pressure that was just like too much to scramble away from, or where 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 was like the hardest part? All right, well we're gonna get deep on this one, but uh, uh, yeah, I think I defended the initial single leg takedown in the in the first round. Um, I think I also defended the the, the takedowns progressively, like in each round. But uh, his his foot sweeps or inside and outside trips um, was really kind of like the killer on that one. Like he was able to chain wrestle. His knowledge of uh, like balance was just incredible. Like I felt like I was on ice skates. You know, so I defended like the American wrestling single leg takedown, and I was going through my emotions. But I um, mean, he started doing the the sambo like inside outside leg foot treat uh, trips and. Man, it was like it was something incredible. Like I wanted to give him a golf clap every time I was on my back. Like, man, that was fucking awesome. Uh, but as far as jujitsu goes, man, we had a we had a each round was was something different. Uh, in the in the first round, uh, I was working on kind of like my overhooks, tying them up, and I wanted to see like his kind of progression. Like he he really wants to advance, right? So I was kind of like not allowing him to advance, but I wanted to see his game, right? I wanted to see where he was trying to get to. How is he trying to submit me? And so, like, you notice, I I gave up mount, I gave up side control. Like, this isn't a jujitsu fight, right? So I'm not losing points, right? right? What I'm doing is I'm trying to create motion to find my escape, right? He's got to do something for sure. me to implement a mistake. Um, and uh, man, I wasn't able to find it, and I was kind of giving him a little too much in that first round. So in the second round, going in, I was like, okay, well, I know he's what. Uh, what he's going to attempt to do as far as advancing jujitsu. So then I was battling the inside control with my butterfly hooks, my hands, really trying to prevent him from advancing. So hopefully he could make a mistake or get frustrated or, you know, what, but man, he was satisfied to just sitting in my, my guard. And then I started noticing like, if I don't do anything, he's not going to do anything. Well, that was, that was Dale's biggest issue too. Dale was screaming on the live stream. You don't get you don't get the victory by doing nothing, and that's what we right. felt like Islam was well, doing for the first two rounds. It, it's hard though because when you're vertical, right? If both people don't do anything, right? It's stalling. It's boring. It's sure. stupid, right? But when you're horizontal, it's up to the bottom person to do something because mm-hmm. the top person. I mean, he's 
winning, you know? I mean, I'm going to say, like, you know, it's controversial. Like, he Octagon control. <laughs> I know, right? He took me down, so he earned that spot. But in the second round, that's when I started realizing, like, I'm the person. I'm the key to make something happen. I have to make it happen. Sure. And I was patient for it. I was trying to, like, you know, like – that Dagestani series of grabbing wrists, tying up the ankles, but like he wouldn't let me on the cage. He wouldn't let me like push his head away. There was a couple times I had to apologize because I accidentally put a finger in his eye. I was like, oh, sorry. But like, man, I was trying to make motion happen, trying to get something to happen. And next thing I knew, the second round was over. So, yeah, I mean, Trey brings up a good point because I, I had listened to, I believe, I believe it was Big John McCarthy was on a podcast a couple years ago, and he was it was regarding some sort of fight that had just happened. I can't remember where it was notoriously dull. Um, maybe it was the John Jones Rashad Evans fight where they were just sort of Jones was in a dominant position, but he wasn't attempting to advance the position at all. He was just content to keep Rashad incapacitated, and he said that there's this fine line as far as officiating goes where. You have to determine whether or not someone's holding a dominant position for the sake of just being able to keep it or if they're trying to advance the fight towards a finish. And he's like, he was saying something to the effect of at a certain point, even if you are in the dominant position. So in in the in the, this instance where Islam was with you for a while there in the second round, he just seemed content to just sort of lay on you and he wasn't attempting to advance. He wasn't even attempting to win the fight per se, so much as he was just very content to keep you in one spot. And then it just, a large quantity of time passed where there was very minimal offense other than him holding a dominant position. Now, does that make a big difference in the grand scheme of things? I don't know. Right. And it seems, it seems very nitpicky. You you saw how fired up I was. I, we have blocked no less than two dozen, two dozen Muslim people in the last 72 hours following your fight, because everything from like, tracking us down to holy war is going to be waged on us with all the trash i talked online not so no yeah way. so there you go we're not <laughs> our passports are not going to the anywhere near dagestan but um yeah it was just a weird spot man i just was like i would have liked yeah. to have seen him be a little bit more active in rounds one and two but i don't i don't know it just seems so nitpicky at this point in, in all honesty what i what i truly felt was um and he was taking what i was giving Right? right. So in the first round, I was giving him the advancements and he was taking it. After that arm bar that I escaped, you know, it was a solid arm bar. It was beautiful. I'm like, props. You know, yeah. I was able to escape it, ended up on top. I think that kind of gave him a little bit of caution going into the second. That was like, hey, uh, he, he may know a little bit more jujitsu than I expected. So now we're going to tighten it up and really like, you know, making sure that we win these, this, this fight by points. Right. And we can't like not think about the fact that he submitted me in the third, but I gave it to him because I was going for broke. Right. right. I'm not going to the decision. I'm going out of my shield. Sure. So you're either tapping or I'm tapping. So like, I went for a, you know, a Kimura trying to make motion yeah. happen, trying to make that third round exciting. And he capitalized on a mistake, but he was only really taking what I was giving him. Sure. Yeah. So the under two and a half hit, I did get that right. Um, I just had, <laughs> I had you winning in, in the under two and a half. So I guess that's, that's one thing, but you know, I guess with that quick turnaround in mind, are you just, do you, you said you want to get this one, you know, the taste of it washed out of your mouth. Are you still ang- – do you want to angle, obviously, for the biggest fight possible, right? And I know a call-out's not really your speed, but there's got to be something on the horizon that thinks that you can get back to where you were and regain some of that momentum. So is there a, maybe a short list of people you're thinking about? 
Ah, man, that was a large list of people. Okay. They're all honesties. It's anyone and everyone. Right. Um, you know, I uh, I saw something and like the, the interview was, was pretty profound. It was talking about a successful person. They said, if you lost all your success today, how would it make you feel? And the dude is building success is far more excited than having success. Mm. And so I'm drawing my motivation, my excitement back that I get to earn my rankings again. Right? Sure. So I get to fight an up and comer, a guy that's also hungry. And we're going to have a very fantastic fight between the two of us. And I would hopefully, you know, earn my uh, fantastic finishes once again. And I get to be back in that opportunity of like, I'm still trying to prove myself. Right. right. So that building this, this success is far more exciting than actually having it, you know? Sure. Yeah. And and always a threat. We, I mean, we tout this on every single episode that we believe that team elevation is one of the greatest gyms out there. It's so interesting that Trevor Whitman's become like this color commentator uh, reoccurring on majority of the cards. So knowing that he is doing color commentary, you know, and he was doing it for your fight. Um, the question is like, what did he say post the fight? Did he give you guys, give you any clarity of what he saw from a different angle? Oh yeah, we ran into each other at the airport. We've been kind of like uh, chatting about it. Um, you know, I, I won't say anything like profound or like anything specific. It's more so the fact that it's like, man, when you're going in there and fighting the world's best, mm-hmm. like the margin for error is very small. And uh, just you know, just the sheer fact that you know these athletes are going into the octagon and trying to perform the best against each other is, is good enough in itself. So Trevor was more so giving me a pat on the back, like, "Hey, you win some, you lose some," but that was a fantastic performance. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, it's not your fault because Chris Tyone was the was the referee for the True. bout, and I don't I don't know right. if you know this or not, but he is nothing but bad luck. He is he's essentially know, a, a black cat but a human. Stoppage. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, let's, I, I've yes. never, I've, I've never been on the good side of a Chris Tyone officiate uh, bout. It was, it was. Did you see the clip of me essentially crying whenever I saw him? The, no. the referee. Oh, I'll send it to you. I had no idea who he was. He was really excited to be a ref for that fight. Was like, sure, he was. Yeah, yeah sure he was. But <laughs> that was the first time I've seen that guy. Wait, so, so like, speak, speaking of that submission, though, what was it? Because like, it kind of looked like it was just shoulder on top of the neck. Like, it wasn't an arm triangle. What was right, it? Right, right. Um, so when I let go of that Kimura, my, my arm was, like, up, right? And so yeah. he, locked, he locked that in position. And, like, I thought the same thing everyone else was talking. Like, my hand is over here. Yeah, so I you're not going to Right. Yeah. But then when he cinched it up, I started getting that tunnel vision, like blood was rushing to my head. So Weird. I think he really just kind of closed the clavicle against my carotid. Right. <laughs> so like I didn't need my my arm across my face. He just had it like this. And uh, man, like I tapped at the perfect time because as soon as he let go, I kind of went out a bit. So <laughs> like, it, was, it was super tight, really quick. And uh, wow. yeah, I had no choice. Yeah, because we were when we were watching it, we we're like, okay, we're in a little bit of danger here. And then you tapped, and we were like, wait a second, but what what did we miss? Was that a, you know, we're trying to like watch the replay, and and Trey was like, man, it must have just been like an insane squeeze or shoulder pressure or something like that. Admittedly, crank or something. That, that, yeah. that that's that's much more his speed than mine. Oh but, yeah, no, um, there was zero pain. Like right. as soon as he locked it up, I was like, no, I'm good. But like I felt the blood, so it's just like a, a really good knowledge as far as like. Uh, choking goes like yeah. he knew where to put the pressure and how much pressure to push uh, and yeah blood I was about to go out so I'm like yeah well that's checkmate <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough so we're gonna make a quick turnaround anybody can get it at any time you said June July May June 
Yeah, I'm looking at yeah June or July. Okay. I'm getting married in August. And so, I was going to say, how's that? How is that going to affect the, the wedding plans here? Because I know that's coming up too. So not yeah. not, not at all. Whether not I have a black eye or a, or a boot on my leg, I'd still be dancing and drinking at the wedding. Fair uh. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> my kind of my kind of guy. I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> I'd be doing the same thing. So, I mean, I guess the I guess the bigger the bigger picture question is obviously you, you want to earn your ranking back and we're in a spot to do so now, right? The idea of building success as opposed to having success. So when you got back to the gym, you talked to Gaethje, Gaethje was kind of like, you know, everything I said was true. Right. And Whitman's kind of saying the same thing. So is there something that you feel like you need to work on? I mean, cause I know you said you, that was like probably amongst the best you've ever felt going into a fight. So where do you what what adjustments do we make moving forward? I mean, there, there's there's so many there's so many okay. adjustments. Uh, I think in this camp, I felt so good as far as my improvement goes. My grappling has improved a ton, and uh, man, without getting any like super specifics, I think the the major mistake was I was very defensive with my jujitsu. Whether it was like it was sound defense, it was only defense, which then allows Islam to only work offense. So now it, it turns into the fact that, like, you know, Drew Dober needs to be a little bit more offensive with his grappling. I need to be a little bit more threatening. I got to bring back some uh, weapons and an arsenal in my jiu-jitsu game that I kind of abandoned a bit. And uh, that's going to open up a lot more um, opportunities for me. Um, so we go back into the gym, and instead of being defensive, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks being uh, incredibly offensive with my jiu-jitsu. And we're going to start adding it as a weapon uh, with my striking. Fair enough. Drew, can, can I make a call out for you, dude? Sure. <laughs> I have it. I have it right here. It's like so good. And there's a ton of parallels. Okay. I think you should fight Rage Now, Ally Quinta. Yeah, no, I'd be thoroughly into that. One marketability, dude's 14th rank. But outside of that, he's fought a Russian killer in Khabib. So he's dealt with that shit before. Um, you're going to deal with him on a standing perspective. He's only, what, three spots behind Islam. Get you back into the top 15 here, raging out. Let's just start, let's just raging out. Let's just say, and then I, I say that because his whole camp right now is under fire. Everything you saw what happened in the bantamweight division. Mm. I mean, that mm. whole New York state right now is under fire about the new, you know, quote unquote champ. So oh, there's so the much, man. Don't do the and we were scheduled to fight each other on three separate occasions. Yeah. So when we were 18 as amateurs, we were like trying to fight each other. And when we were regional pros, we tried to fight each other. And we were on the ultimate fighter together. So I mean, this was saying it's been in the making for the last like, 12, 14 years. Do you think he wants to fight still, though? Because it doesn't seem like he wants to. I don't. That doesn't seem think, like comes on his radar. I think there's a, a long list of guys in the lightweight division that are very content at sitting at 14, 15, 16, and right. they don't want to fight, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, ideally, I'll just kind of want to hop, skip over those guys and fight the guys that want to be active. Right. Like, you know, Paul Felder and, and all those guys. But there's also some guys below me that are super hungry and motivated. So they'll fight me for sure. And, uh, I don't think, I think they'll put on better fights than, um, you know, the 15 ranked guys are. Are you going to be, pick, you gonna be picky or taking it right now? 
<laughs> Text me Shelby's number. I'll get it done, dude. All right. <laughs> I won't take any commission. I'll just do it for being a best right. friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like the like as soon as I saw like my agent after the fight, I was like, all right, who who are we talking about? We got Kevin Lee. He won't. I don't think he'll fight. Oh, Ally, I don't think he will fight. Gregor Gletsby, maybe. Please. I don't know. I was like, there's a long list of guys that for some reason are either oh, injured, tired, busy. I yeah. cannot tell you the excitement that would I, I'm te- man. I would put your I would take out a billboard in the Greater Charleston area with your face on it if you got to fight Kevin Lee. Uh, oh, there is not man, there's man. not many things that would make me happier than yeah. to see you fight Kevin Lee. I'm telling especially you, I just, the new tattoo, especially with that new neck tattoo that looks like a like he's wearing Mortal Kombat armor or whatever that is yeah. on the back of his neck. It's going to yeah. be difficult difficult because. I, I, I want a fantastic finish, and I feel like the higher I find the rankings, the more uh, uh, probability they're going to start diving at my legs. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. I just want I want fantastic fights. Right. I don't want full guard like spectacles. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that style of fighting real quick, and, and what I mean by that is the fans. Okay, we experienced a ton of hate, and that's just we we are a very small fish in a massive pond. You were on the biggest stage taking on the new golden child that is the Dagestani Fighting Alliance of Khabib and everybody else. You're also very active on social media. And I know, I mean, obviously this is, this show is a product of this. You do read messages from time to time. Were you getting a lot of hate going into this fight? Yeah, I'm done. I mean, I'm okay. still getting hate. Okay. I'm still getting uh, like you tapped like a B word and your right. performance is so pathetic and all that stuff. And right. uh, uh, like I said, I'm I care a, a more about eyes on my uh, performances sure. than whether people like me or not. Yeah. You know, and so I'm not letting any DM or other person ruin my smile. Like I absolutely love fighting. I love the opportunity to you know compete against Islam, who's you know one of the best in the world. I enjoyed every moment of that. I I wish I would have won. I was planning on winning. Sure, it was all my favorite, but it didn't stop my enjoyment, and it doesn't right. stop my enjoyment from, you know, talking to the fans, whether they like me or don't like me, and sometimes I do like responding to the people that don't like me. So, <laughs> so what was it like this time you had Embedded following you around a little bit? There was a mm-hmm. media day, right? The whole thing, like, I mean, was it was it cool to get back to, like, that somewhat semblance of normal? Um, you know, this kind of, I don't want to call it post-COVID, but we're, we're on the you know the bright side of things here was it was it cool to get back to normal there yeah words can't can't describe i I wasn't able to compete in november so like finally being able to like get in the cage and uh every moment of that is everything as far as like the cameras the media the you know being in the locker room and warming up and all that stuff like i just i just remember just how much i enjoy this you know like regardless of the outcome like this is what i absolutely enjoy so this is the reason i was like well let's just get another one in you know sure. i do weight cut weight cut is the worst it's the biggest hindrance of me accepting fights or you know having quick turnarounds but at this point man i'm just, I, I enjoy it so much i was like well let's go through another weight cut so we could do that again right so, so so speaking of like the media and crew and stuff like that one thing that was like of pure focus through all of UFC 259 was the bias and commentary. Mm. Now I know in the apex center, you're, you're prone to hearing other coaches and hear some things. Could you hear the commentating desk at all? Especially like, you know, with the relationship between DC and Islam, like, could you hear any of that? 
So as I was like uh, taking the clothes off and getting Vaseline, I looked over and I saw DC at the commentator table. So I was like, yeah, it's definitely going to be biased away from me. So <laughs> I knew that going into the fight. I was like, yep, DC's yeah. over there. They're probably going to like Islam a lot more than, I, than me. But yeah, it, it don't matter to me. Like, like I said, like, I'm a huge Neil Magny fan. So I'm going to be super biased anytime Neil Magny fights. And so I can't hate DC or any of the commentators for that. I think right. John Anik was a huge fan of me. So I'll take mm-hmm. that one. I told you, Anik. Dude, Anik, Anik came on the show. He was So here's the thing, right? So Anik comes on the show. So we I talked to him prior to, right? And he was like, hey, man, I can talk about anything. I just can't. I'm, contractually, I cannot explicitly say who I think is going to win a fight, right? Um, so it's just not something any that I can do. So it's very difficult. Like Trey was on vacation, so it was just him and I trying to do a show of our style where we're talking about breaking down fights and who's going to win and lose. And I'm doing it with a guy who legally, you know, per his job, cannot say who he thinks is going to win a fight. The only time he messed up, the only time I got him to slip up was when we were talking about you. That's the only time. So that's why I sent you that clip or that timestamp or whatever, because it's the only time where he messed up where he was like, he, he ends the segment going, you know, I hope for the sake of, for the sake of Drew in this fine program that he gets it done on Saturday. And that was the only time he said anything like that. So I was, was pretty excited about that. <laughs> I mean, when I talked to him uh, on media day, I was like, Hey, you were just on uh, punchline and we kind of chatted a little bit about it. So right. that's nice. good. There you go. That's good. I'm. I listen. I'm glad. Man, that's so great. They make me. I'm gonna start blushing, man. That's awesome. That you got. You, you mentioned us, man. That's great. Um, I don't. Even, you, well, Trey, you got to take the next question. My brain just got fried there for a second. So, not to take the focus off you, Drew, but I want. I want to ask a little bit about the card. So, did you get a chance, like after your fight, to kind of watch the rest of the main card, or or no? Uh not like attentively like okay it was, it was in the background and like we were kind of getting like the the bits and the pieces and the highlights of it uh so i wouldn't know like super details of like all the rounds. well no so i just want to ask you more from like a fighter perspective i want to put you in exactly Jermaine sterling's position oh gosh no i just want to know from a fighter's yeah. perspective right like you get a legally need you're grounded um you know, he seemed like a little bit disoriented, discombobulated, so to speak, but um, it seemed like he was able to communicate in his post-fight speech. Like it, you're in that moment. I know, and this is completely hypothetical here, but like, what do you do? Like, do you kind of stand up? Dale and I were talking like, if it was us, you know, this is like, Oh yeah, no, this, we were this UFC is, fighters. No, this is, this, that's, that, that's couch warrior stuff. No, seriously. I mean, no. I guess the question is a lot of people gave him a, lo- a hard time. Some people thought he was acting. Some people thought it was legit. And he should, you know, Jan should know better. Um, where do you fall in that spectrum? I think is. So I'm going to have a long answer. Go um, for it. Yeah. Go for so it. Being blatantly illegally need in the face of a ground opponent like, is something that I've had to deal with, right? In a, in a form of fight. And uh, yeah, I was all about just, you know, get up, take my five minutes, but we got to keep on fighting on. You know, this is like, you know, this is the, you know, the one opportunity, to, you know, to win this fight. And it's not like I got to keep going. So I, uh, I, admire all the guys that really persevere and and push through it however it's not a ufc title fight in a Mm -hmm. ufc title fight this is not just one fight this is the only fight you don't get many title fights right Mm -hmm. and so along with you know making it to the cage but even like within the cage if if the injury does not fall into like the legal premises of the fight then yeah like you need to perform at your best 
on that very night because it's the only chance you get. Yeah. And taking an illegal knee and trying to brush it off and really persevere, I mean, that's for the fans, but it's not for your career. No, right. and that's and that's what Aljamain's actually said. And I've kind of been like, okay, I can understand that. In that moment, he was able to like politically think, man, I'm I need to run this thing back. And my only opportunity to run this thing back, my one and only shot, is to accept, you know, where the the rules lie. So right, right. You know, it's like, uh, man, you, you don't know how you feel. Like there's sometimes like you get hit real hard, and uh, you don't feel it until like little like later on. So, like, if this is your one chance to win that title, you gotta be able to be a hundred percent with in the in the again the, the legal rules, right? You get hit with a huge blast, and you still gotta recover from that. That's a different story. But when you're blatantly, intentionally, illegally kneed in the face, then I don't hate anybody that you know takes the no contest. I think I think maybe the only thing that really gets people's ire about this entire thing is that the result of which was hit was him receiving the belt right if it was ruled a no contest and they were just going to run it back would be one thing but in this regard it was literally they they awarded him the belt whereas if it were another sport per se whether it was football or basketball or anything like that and it was deemed that the other team was cheating or had done something dubious it would they would probably still keep their championship and then they would run it back whereas his selection of I'm going to, you know, say I can't continue resulted in him winning the belt, which is which is tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, it's 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 outrageous. But I mean, the rules are put in place and sure. everyone knows the rules. And John Jones is not undefeated. Right. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Like you have to follow the rules and like. I mean, I, mean, I think uh, Al Jermaine did a good job of saying, you know, this really isn't a, a win for me and stuff like that. What it is, it's it's another opportunity to run it back, regardless of who has the belt on their shoulders during right. the next, like, you know, fight camp. Um, it, it's right now we're kind of championless, and Al Jermaine yep. is kind of hanging on to it. Right. Yeah, it, it, it essentially has sort of adopted this interim style feel to it. Um, because I think both of those guys are, are if they're really – being honest with themselves or unhappy with the outcome there. Um, I just, I sort of wonder about Jan's corner and I mean, he has to know, I mean, they had to have, they had to have known that was a lead. That is first rodeo. That was my initial thought when I, when I was talking to, uh, you know, my coaches, which is if you're a world champion, you know, the rule set, like you've been around, like this isn't your first go. Right. So, I mean, I, I understand getting excited, but I mean, it's built within us to, you know, like I, I'm not headbutting my teammates in training. Like I know the rules. I've been around, and like I even apologized to Islam when I accidentally felt his eyeball. Like, oh, oh, so sorry. Right. Like, it's ingrained in us. We know the rules. So, so you you said headbutt. Did you did you saw him headbutt him in the back of the head before the knee? Right. Because <laughs> that was the other thing. Because as soon as he did, I was like, "Well, that was a headbutt." And then he kneed him, and then it, obviously yeah, the knee, the knee was the superstar of the whole thing. But I was like, "He headbutt him, boom!" And then he hit him with the knee. I was like, "Oh shit, what are we doing?" Well, disregard for the rules. Yeah, there was a lot going on there. And um, so when they pretty much went awarded Sterling the uh, the belt, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not mad at it because you can't make like retain your title doing stuff like that." Right. That was, that was such a strange, strange sequence of events. Um, so if, if you could bring one thing back, would you bring back uh, – I mean, if one thing could be legal, 
Would you do grounded knee opponent, soccer kick? Like, what would you bring back, Drew? Headbutt. I got it. Yeah. What's your specialty? What's that secret spe- secret sauce you got? Dude? I mean, I think the downer and elbows, I think, are absolutely ridiculous. I don't think that should be, like, illegal at all. Yeah. Uh, but uh, into a downed opponent, I think, would be kind of a rule they could bring back. Right. Yeah. But then it, it does it get t- it takes away from like the uh the hand play like oh is he down is he not down or well, like if you're all down like you're down all the time or they're allowed to kick you when you're down then you got to be on the defensive and be ready for it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You go to like you see like one championship and they don't do weight cutting, but they allow soccer kicks. Where like yeah. the UFC is like oh you can cut what well, you can dehydrate yourself to damn near kidney fa- failure, but don't knee a guy. If his palms touching the ground, so Asia like spectacles and <laughs> allowing that rule versus weight cutting. Like, not only are they feeling energetic, but they can do more than most. So right. they like the spectacle. Well, <laughs> speaking of spectacles, so uh, obviously the the Reem situation has happened, right? Mm-hmm. And most people remember Alistair from his days in the uh, the Asian theater, if you will, Uber Reem. Um, you know, I don't know what your guys' relationship is. I mean, what, where does that land? I mean, a lot has happened team elevation-wise since the last time we spoke to you. You fighting, Curtis fighting, Alistair, the whole not. You guys are a busy group of people. Um, you know, what's the – I guess you say, what's the mood in the locker room? You know, it's heartbreaking. Not only is he Alistair a teammate, but he's also, um, you know, uh, a person I, like, admired in, in the fight realm. So hearing him get cut, I was like, man, that's heartbreaking. And, like, not even, like – couple hours later i saw risen uh risen uh yeah. said something that like, yeah. they would be totally into signing him and i was like oh man alistair back in japan like oh, yes man. yes and more yes right. like that's the kind of stuff i want to see like a um healthy maybe supplemented alistair fighting the, yes. the freak shows in japan like right. As a teammate, I'm just like, yeah, need yeah, that money, look that good, and have fun fights. Yeah, horse meat, Alistair. It's hard to beat. Very hard to beat, Alistair, <laughs> when he's eating that horse meat. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So that that's so. Yeah, it was, it was just a very interesting kind of thing. Um, so it, it, is that what happened? Did they did they cut him, or was it just a contract thing? Do you know? I don't know the details. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I mean, Alistair's a pretty private person. So what he does with his manager, I'm not quite sure. Sure. Um, but, uh, but either way, you know, I, I feel like, you know, not going to go for an, uh, like a third title run. Right. He's got to figure out something different. It could be fighting up and comers in the UFC, or it could just be finishing out his career having great fights. Sure. Well, that's what I was shocked on. I was like, well, why wouldn't they just give him kind of like a, you know, run of the mill outside the top 10, you know, up and comer. I don't know if up and comer would have been the right, right play, but someone he could lay the gloves in the middle of the octagon on, you know, that was kind of like a preemptive, like almost urgent, you know, exit to the UFC. I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with those, uh, those veterans are getting paid quite a bit of money. And so I'm sure like, you know, UFC as a business was like, Hey, we can pay three potential stars with the same amount of pay. You know, I much rather everyone across the board gets paid more. Right. Uh, yeah. like, as a business, they're probably thinking like, Hey, we pay you a ton. We could probably get newer or whatever. So like I can understand the, the confusion, but if Japan wants to pay Alistair what he's getting now, then yeah, do that. Well, yeah, and he just goes over there and he walks around like a god amongst men. You know, he's going to go over. I mean, to a hero's welcome, uh, no matter what doing. You know, over there. So, um, 
moving away from Alistair, let's let's talk about uh, another one of your teammates. So Trey and I have talked about this pretty at length, and Kate's in the lobby here too. I'm going to bring her in as well. But we had we had mentioned, you know, obviously Curtis's fight did not go the way he wanted it to. Um, but one of the things that happened after the fight. Uh, I don't know if you saw that or not, but somebody actually got a hold of his number and FaceTimed him and was pretty derogatory via FaceTime and then put it on social media. Mm-hmm. Judging by your face, maybe this is the first time you've heard this. I think I, I caught wind of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm already like heartbroken about the the loss. And so like at that moment, I was like, I don't want to hear any of this. Like I, I do know how fans do get every once in a while as far as just being outrageous and stuff like that. But man, Curtis, Curtis gets almost the worst. Yeah. So hello, Kate. Nice to see you Hi. again. Well, hello, Kate. <laughs> Hi, Drew. It's great seeing you. So, so the gang's all here yet again. Um, so <laughs> we were talking about, um, prior to you coming on, we were talking about the Aljamain Sterling thing. And you I were was big, listening. You were big on Aljo prior to. Um, so you, you saw where we landed on that. So Drew's saying he wants to get back in as soon as humanly possible, which we are in agreement you know, with. Oh, yeah. And Trey has this great idea where we are going to start the ally Ally Aquinta hype train to try to get this fight to happen. So oh, nice. going so hard in the paint, dude. We're There's going. gonna be so many assets tomorrow. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we're gonna say, we're gonna put that you're angling for a fight with him directly. Hundred percent. But I heard Kevin Lee's name dropped too. Yeah, so we're gonna. Try I, to I was listening on while I was. I mean, I'm interested in the the Paul Felder matchup too. Uh, yeah, I think him and I would really have a, a huge, exciting fight. And so, if it was up to me, like, yeah, Paul Felder, Ally, Quanta, like those those top guys that will make great fights with me. But you know, sure. they can't be choosers, and I'll just take whoever. I know that um, Moises just beat uh, Alexander. Yeah, and so like, hey, that would be a fun fight too. Uh, it's uh, I'm a firm believer. It's not who you fight; it's how you fight. And I'm mm-hmm. looking to make the next one great. I think Tiago Moises would be a very interesting matchup because he fancies himself a striker now, and he seems like he wants to get away from his grappling. So, um, I'd like to see that humbling. Yeah, that would that would go over really well. Uh, I think Tiago's a good one. Um, yeah, that's a, see. You talk about you. You have no like. There's a long list, but you don't want to narrow anybody down. You you just revealed your hand. Mr. Dober, the, the Moises matchup is the, the most recent fight that I watched. And that's like literally when I call Paul Felder, he's sitting right next to me at the commentator. Desk. Right. Like the list is long, but the people in front of me are like, well, there's two. So I always call those guys out. Gotcha. So whenever I'm being annoying, messaging you, asking who you want to fight next, and you say, I don't know, it's just whoever they say, that's a legitimate thing. You're just, you're not even looking. You're just saying, yeah. I don't know. I'll, it's I'll just- I'm going to have to like Instagram search and like lightweight division. So I got that guy. Right. I kind of just want you to run it back with Diego so I can hear you butcher his last name every single time, dude. Every single time. I've still yet to figure out how to pronounce it, but (laughs) he just made the post that he's interested in fighting up. So uh, we'll Mm. see. The UFC is really trying hard to make, you know, get Diego to fight me, but uh, I don't think he wants to. So we'll see who says yes. Like I said, the person that gives me the thumbs up, we're running it sooner than later. I get it. I get it. Hundred percent. Are you are you communicating at all? It's all on behalf of your management that's going through Sean and Nick. Um. Yes. Except I'll throw in my two cents every once in a while. Like I, I approached Dana White in the locker room, and I was trying to get a fight scheduled then. So, and that, that was the manager's job, but I took the first run at it. So tell us about the conversation then, Drew. 
<laughs> June or July. Anyone, everyone, just no. Just what was said, bro? Have you talked to Sean? He goes, uh, yes. I'm like, did you make mention that I'm trying to fight this summer? And he's like, he said it's doable. And I was like, okay, well, let's, uh, you know, yeah. keep on squeaking. Hi, there you go. <laughs> I love that attitude. I just, so, I, I love that you're coming out of this just going, yep. Just taking what's next in front of me. Just keep on keeping on. I, I, I wish that every fighter handled not just a loss, but just like things that don't go their way with that kind of poise and grace and attitude. I think it would make, I think it would make the sport a lot better. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like losing is horrible. And I have my, uh, my, uh, uh moments, right. but, uh, man, I love performing more often than I like care about the outcome. So then it's like, yeah, that, that, that was rough. I didn't like that very much, but um, I get to do it again. I get to do this. And yeah. It wasn't the last and it won't be my last. And so now I'm just hungry for the next. I'm like, all right, well, so I get to do this again. So let's do it. You look, you look good in the fight too, man. Check this out. Look, look at, look at that hair. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. There is look a good, that's a good. I was going to post that today. I was yeah. like, holy crap, oh. dude, the thing's feathered and lethal. <laughs> Revealing some uh, locker room shenanigans. Yeah, yes. uh, I think the uh, Islam Makachev's team was worried about how much hair gel I had in my hair. Yeah, <laughs> the commission came in and like, yeah, hey, we need to uh, touch your hair. Is and I was like, real? What for? This is the first time they're like, oh, somebody asked. And I was like, the other team? <laughs> He's like, maybe. Dude, you should have asked if he had ever shampooed or conditioned that neck beard, man. Oh, man. I was in my face the entire time. Yeah. Oh. Was, it, was, it, was it rough like goat's hair? I bet it was. I bet it was. I, there's no way it was no. soft and conditioned. No, Honestly, I mean, not his hair. Like His hair was great. But what I liked about it was that the canvas. I have like a swing of my elbow. Yeah. Oh, man. Constantly being put on my back. But, uh, man, that canvas, it doesn't tickle. Yeah, See, those are the worst. Those are like those like jujitsu mats where like after you get off and you take a shower and you're like, ow, you know, <laughs> like the stinging. Uh -huh. This is amateur level. Well, the worst bro, it stings so bad. Like, which was <laughs> a, a rug burn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh man. All right. Yes. Well, Drew, I mean, I, I can't say enough nice things about you, man. You're always gracious with your time. You come on. I am noticing though that you have a red shirt on, but it is not the official punch list athlete T 2.0 red shirt. So Trey, can we get my man a new shirt? Yeah. If he doesn't give punch his fiance. Okay. Okay. So, he, so here's the thing, right? You you said you want a tank top. <laughs> do you have tank tops? We do. If we, if we do, if you've cut the sleeves off yeah, the shirt, we'll we send you. Yeah. <laughs> send me a punchline. I'll make it a tank uh, top right. for our next interview. All right. Fair enough. So we're going to send you a t-shirt. We'll get you another one. I know it'll probably end up in the, you know, the scissors or the the uh, the sleepy time shirt drawer. And that's fine. We're okay with that. But we did release a new t-shirt. So we may, need to make sure that we get you a new one. I am going to, since you and Anik talk about coming on our show, though, I just want you to be aware that we had a custom one made for Anik. So I don't want you to feel left out. But we did make John Anik his own custom t-shirt. So Dale, Dale, dude, I have an, I have an idea. Okay, go ahead. What are you way more price conscious considering we're broke from, from betting as of recently? You sent me just, John Hannah's t-shirt. We'll send you John Hannah's t-shirt. We can do that. We can do okay. that. Or we could just send him a Sharpie and he could just put it on his body. That's true. Because I feel like this again, he only wears shirts for so the send me a template yep. and I'll trace it right before I go on the show. Fair enough. Sounds there good. Go. I like it. I Thank like you. it. Um <laughs> 
Drew, thanks so much for coming on, man. Um, you're amazing as always. You were never far away. The seat's always yours whenever you want it. And uh, I mean, we we probably exchange a handful of messages a month anyway. So it's not not like we're we're about to ride off into the the, the sunset here, man. I appreciate uh, everything you do and give us, and that your time's valuable, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. So thanks so much. It's fun chatting with you guys always. So until awesome. next time. Until next time, my man. Whenever yeah. you want it, it's yours. We'll see you. Thank you so much, guys. See you. I'm gonna get that so Al fight going, dude. I'm gonna get it. You gonna get it? I'm gonna get it, dude. I'm gonna okay. get it. All right. So we're at. We threw you for a loop there, Kate. Um, That's okay. I like saying hi to Drew, and I, I did. I did message him um, after his fight when you told me that he was going to come on the show, and I'm like, I think that's just so great that you're coming on the show after that. I mean, like, I don't even talk to most of the fighters that I know after a loss. Like, yeah. I just avoid them because, right. uh, in my experience, uh, they're they're kind of in their feelings a little bit. Um, and just to see him sitting there smiling, he's having a great time. He's like, yeah, what's next? I just, right. ugh, I just, I love that. Yeah. yeah. If there's, if there's going to be a guy that bounces back both mentally and physically from, from an L, I mean, who, who else can you pick? That's going to, yeah. you know, a, a better attitude than him. So for real, I honestly, because we were working on it before the, before Saturday, we had talked about him coming on on Tuesday mm -hmm. and then after the fight, I fully expected him to say, nah, let's push it a week or two or whatever. Yeah. But he messaged us, you know, what was that Sunday morning? and was like, yeah, let's do Tuesday. All right. So the only, the only flip side was he sent us a message about a half hour early when we were supposed to start saying, can we go right now? Cause I'm, I, got I noticed I came on and I'm like, hang on a minute. They've already been here for a half an hour. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. So, so we gotta, we gotta keep things moving. Right along. Captain America calls, dude. You freaking answer. <laughs> you freaking answer. So, Trey, real quick before we before I map out the rest of the show, because this whole thing, like I said, theater of the unpredictable here. Yeah. Um, are we still hard hour here, or what do you what do we need to do from from your time perspective? No, no, I'm I'm good, man. Okay. I'm, I know, I know. I mean, I don't know if we want to tell the listeners right now, but tonight we will only be doing main card uh, mm. for those that. Uh, want to hear our prelim breakdowns. This is going to be really exciting, but Dale and I are going to extend our FaceTime to you viewers and listeners throughout the week. We're going to solidify a time that Dale and I are both going to hop on Instagram live and we're going to break down the entire prelim card uh, prior to weigh-in. So you guys have ample time to take advantage of the wacko lines that we're seeing on the prelim card. But for now, a lot of focus, a lot of awesome matchups in the main event. Hot take Kate's here. Super excited. Didn't put her on the post because she's part of the show. And apparently I got shit for not actually calling her out. She wants more exposure than me saying, oh, also Dale will be there and Trey will be there. Um, okay. But she is here I, now. I just wasn't sure. I just, because the last time I was tagged and I wrote Dale, I'm like, hey, am I on this week or did I did I miss something? Part of the show. Like, come on. Literally. <laughs> Four different times today was like, hey, am I fired? Are you guys having me on the show still? And I was like, yeah, you're on the show. Yeah. Just because we're not like put tagging you and everything. You're still there. Yeah. We're just we're going to do that next time. Dale will be there. Yeah. Trey will be, will there. be there. Yeah. Dude, just put it, just put a put a sign-up sheet and we'll all just tag ourselves in the comments. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. So let's 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 break down some fights. Um, actually, you know what, Trey? Mm. Do you want to give some stuff away first? God, dude. <laughs> Trades. I had to buy in three times, and you just want to give away stuff, bro. I am so broke, but yes, I will give away stuff. <laughs> the people's parlay hit, so a fifteen to one 
parlay hit, man. You've got to celebrate those things. So it was a six-legger, which means we have to give away money to six people. Um, I need to do my quick math real quick here. So the parlay itself hit for, I believe, what was it, $156 or something like that? Yeah. Divided by six people. We're talking about twenty-six bucks a person, so we got a uh, we got a little twenty-six twenty-six are heading out to six different people. Um, yes. I'm going to address something real quick here. Keith saying, "Don't sleep on my favorite up-and-coming prospect, Matthew mm-hmm. Semmelsberger." You will see something different this weekend out of us, Keith, and Semmelsberger will be part of what you will see this week. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you a little prelude to the yeah, action there. The challenge Let's, is over. Yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. The challenge the challenge is 100 <laughs> percent over. Never again. Yeah. The, uh, not all not all ideas can be winners, and that one was a that one was a tough one. So Trey, you weren't here for it. I recreated the wheel for the People's Parlay giveaway. It does not have pirate music. So. Um, we're just going to do three. We're going to do three selections real quick. Okay. okay. And we'll That's do, th- we'll do three. We'll do the show and then we'll end it with three more. So the first three winners right now, this is another way to guarantee that people have actually listen through on their episode too. So, all right, let's, uh, let me do a screen share here. Did, uh, I- did we not like have a credit card on file to get the pirate music? Why is that not a part of it anymore? I can sing that TikTok shanty. <sighs> yeah. Oh. Um, I'm not. <laughs> Sea shanty. I don't actually know it. <laughs> Sorry. Sea shanty. Yes. Let yeah, me see literally. if I, let me see if I can turn on the pirate music real quick. Give me a second. Golly. I just feel like if we're gonna pay for it. That's true. All right. That so is can a you... big wheel. Was that bigger than last week? Yes. Yes, it is. During spin, we need the where was it? Pirate music. Gosh, I don't even know which one it is though. That's the problem. I legit like, thought that said tickling sound. And I was yeah. like, this is a weird wheel. Yeah. Just, just let it fly. See what happens, man. Okay. So let's do uh let's Baby do Baby Shark comes on, we roll. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, here's one. Um how about I don't know what any of these are, so we're we're just gonna have to pick one here. How about uh how about a little reggaeton? You wanna do Ooh. reggaeton? Cool. In honor of Leon Edwards, who's Jamaican. Uh Perfect. I oh. all right, here we go. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's how I like my reggaeton, dude. Non-existent. I was just going to say silent. <laughs> Andrew James 819. Yeah, if you would, that'd be great if you would. Uh, I think Andrew has won with us before. Uh, he, has. he has won something before, but we'll, we'll allow it because he contributed this time. So we are going to remove all instances because my man is prolifically winning on our show. Mm. Uh, he, he literally enters everything, which is good. I'm glad. I like the engagement. So keep entering. Good job, uh, Andrew. Good job, Andrew. All right. I'm going to switch that music up because I seriously hated it. Um, how oh, about I? Didn't I hear anything. You, didn't hear, you didn't hear it? No. Wait, oh. let me turn on because I've got YouTube playing over here. Maybe let me turn that on and see if it's playing through YouTube. Interesting. You, did you didn't hear it? No. Wait, let me turn it on. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's that's enough of that, Kate. Sorry. <laughs> Spin it. Let's go. Okay, sorry. You're right. Man, I hope I win. No, I don't hear anything. Okay, well. Then I'm just going to turn the music off. Then Jake the Jabroni. Oh my God. Jake, Jake, Jake <laughs> the Jabroni. Congrats, Jake. And then one more. A little always sunny reference in there is always good. 
And then the last one is L Bundy wagers. You know, what's crazy is that he's, before. he's he won our big prize. I remember because um, I was did, like, Bundy, our, that's a very easy name to remember. Yeah. When we did our, <laughs> when we did our <laughs> biggest giveaway, like one win per year or something, we're going to have to, we're going to have to at this point. So no big <laughs> deal. All right. appreciate you writing down everybody's names. All right. So let's break down some fights. Kate, I know you got two hot takes for us. We kind of went over one of them already with Drew. Full well, disclosure, we didn't really. Okay, All not right, fair yet. Enough. Yeah, but you're gonna have to sit. Pay, you're gonna have to sit tight for a I'll minute while we break down some. Do you want me? me out. Do you want me to whoosh you out? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if I. There we go. All right, perfect. So let's do this. Trey, I didn't enter any odds in, so I'm just gonna read everything off to you, man. I know. Let's you just don't. go, dude. I'm awesome. ready. I'm prepared. All right, cool. So Manel Cape at 15 and five, taking on Matthias Nicola. Or Nicolau, I don't really know how you say that, man. That's a, that's a tough one for me. Minus one forty five for Manel Cape, plus one fifteen for Matias. Over on rounds at two and a half, and at two and a half at a pick 'em. I said after Manel Cape's last fight, I would never bet on Manel Cape again. Ooh, ooh. But I really want to bet on Manel Cape here, man. I really do. Um, this is this is a fight I actually like him in. Um, I think that you know if you look at uh, if if you look at Nicolau or however you want to say this cat's name, it. He is incredibly inactive. He yeah. fought once in 2015, once in 2016, once in 2017, once in 2018, and has not fought since. Right? I I just I can't I can't get on board with a guy that has fought four times in the last six years. I can't do it. And I'm gonna that that's part of the reason why I'm gonna bet the way that I am for the main event. Spoiler alert. Um, I I really I can't get on board with a guy that's this inactive. And while Manel Cape literally let the fight get away from him as far as the Pantoja fight goes. Mm-hmm. I still think he's better than than Nicola here or Nikolai. So I'm I'm gonna take him. I know there's a hyphen for this last name. It's Pereira. So I'll just start calling him Pereira. But same thing. I really think that I think Cape gets it done. I think you can get a bit of good price here too. Yeah. And I think with the Cape fight, what was really interesting is we saw him be extremely hesitant. Maybe that was, you know, his transition over from Risen over to the UFC and, you know, the big bright lights. But Pantoja is obviously no slouch title contender here. Um, I I, I think we saw him hesitate too much. I mean, he, he literally was overthinking his shots. And when you go down to significant strikes and stuff like that, he was in that fight through and through, but he just never pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. I think now that's why he wants this quick turnaround. He didn't take much damage. Obviously the Pantoja fight went the distance, didn't take much damage, need to get back in there. He's like, no, no, no. I need to wash that in my mouth. Just kind of like the Drew, Drew Dober thing we saw. He wants to get back in there and he's fighting a guy that does not do very well with bull rushing. Nikolai is a guy that's going to push back. He's going to counter punch you. And I think, what Cape's going to do is he's going to be first. He's going to be devastating. And like we saw in Ryzen, dude, he's a guy that can body you. He can do right hooks. He can do left hooks. He has the power in his fist. I think we're going to see that, and we're not going to see the hesitation like we saw in the Pantoja fight. I, I agree. I think it's a great opportunity. I say this with full hesitation. A great opportunity to get Manel at a great price. All right. Mm-hmm. So speaking of great prices, great value, we do have a, a, a quick rebook, a uh, little COVID-19 scare, but things are right back on track. Angela Hill at 12 and 9, yeah. taking on Ashley Yoder at 8 and 6. Something a little bit interesting about this one, though, Trey, is that the odds um, got a little bit wider for Angela Hill, which That's I was shocking. surprised for. Right. Yeah. So I thought, if anything, the rebook would have actually had this thing get a little bit tighter. It actually went the opposite direction. So you're sitting at Angela Hill at a minus 370 now 
uh, versus Ashley Yoder coming back at plus 295. Over and under on rounds is at two and a half, with the over two and a half tray being at minus 390. So they think, so Vegas is telling us they think Angela Hill, they think Angela Hill by decision. Angela Hill by decision, given that minus 300 range on all of those options, is probably still going to sit at like the minus 150 range. It's going to be hard to even get a decent, that's still a decent price, minus 150, but it's going to be hard to get something that's a super juicy line on Angela Hill anywhere, really, um, based on how Vegas thinks this fight's going to go. Do we still want to touch Ashley Yoder here? Is it still worth a shot at trying to get Ashley Yoder, even at the plus 295? I know we were kind of liking her previously but now when we're not trying to turn a hundred dollars into thousands of dollars do we still like ashley odor at plus 295 i still like it because there's no value to take angela hill here and i think when you have a classic striker versus grappler you have someone also that's younger who's going to have the reach advantage who's going to have the height advantage who's going to have the weight advantage come fight day mm. ashley yoder is fully game i think that Yes, uh, Angela Hill has fought the better competition. You know, split decision loss to Michelle Waterson to Claudia Gadelia. Mm -hmm. um, but when you look before that, her decisive wins are over what I'm considering C plus B minus fighters and Hannah Cyphers, Luke Bonmi. Like, I just don't really see it there. I don't think her justification for that gnarly of a line is there. I'm going to fare with a grappler. I'm going to fare with the person I think is going to come in heavier. And if we're coming down to women's fights, we always say is coin flip. Why not take the plus 295 there? Okay. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll play something small on it. I'm not crazy about it, but I just wanted to get your, your interpretation of it when there's little less on the line as far as you and I are concerned, how you were landing on it. So, um, but yeah, I can absolutely get on this. All right. Now, here's a fight, realistically, in, in my opinion, should be the co main event. Not really sure why it's sitting down as low as it is. But Dan Ige at 14 and three, taking on Gavin Tucker. Boy, you want to talk about a prospect, man. Gavin Tucker, thir 13 and one. Like I said, Dan Ige at 14 and three. Um, man, I, I just absolutely love this fight. And you're getting Gavin Tucker at a plus 100 and getting a guy Dan, like Dan Ige at a minus 130. Over in our own rounds here, Trey, is at two and a half. And they like the over two and a half so much so it's at a minus 255. And I think that's largely based on the fact that Dan Ige has never been finished before. My concern with this fight when I'm looking at it is the gas tank of Gavin Tucker. He has shown himself to be a little bit, I don't want to say he has a hard time managing his energy, but he does seem to have peaks and valleys in his fights, right? And a guy like what we saw in his last fight with Billy Q, Billy Q pushed the pace on him the whole time. And I think that realistically from a cardio perspective, Billy Q had the, the upper hand in that fight. He just was not as effective offensively as Gavin Tucker was. And Gavin Tucker was able to negate that. But I don't necessarily think that Gavin Tucker was on the right side of the cardio game for that fight. Now, you take that with a guy like Dan Ige, who's never been finished before. Mm -hmm. We're looking at very much the same thing. Dan Ige you know, has been facing much better competition than Gavin Tucker has. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that Gavin Tucker is going to reach the same level of success that he's seen previously. There's a real step up in competition that's going to happen from a Justin Janes and a Billy Q. You're going you're skipping about 15 rungs on the ladder and getting Dan Ige. I think this is a real big test for Gavin Tucker. And this is a fight that if you're Dan Ige, you have to win this fight. Because if you get beat by a guy like Gavin Tucker, you are in purgatory as far as featherweights are concerned. You're not getting another 
big fight to lead to a big fight anytime soon. It's a must-win fight for Danny Gay, and I think he knows that. I like him at the price you can get him at. I'm really leaning strongly towards Ige here. As much as I like Gavin Tucker, as much as I like guys like him, Sean Brady, Ilya Taporia, and a couple of these other young prospects that you've been hearing me scream about for the last couple months now, this is a tough spot for Gavin Tucker. It's all upside for him. It's all downside for Danny Ige here. He's got to go in. He's got to win decisively. Um, and he's he, he, he can't afford to lose this fight. This is a very dangerous fight for Danny Ige, but it's a test I expect him to pass. Yeah, and those are always the worst fights. You and I can't stand that. We can't stand fighters that you know have everything to win. The other fight has a fighter has everything to lose. Um, Gavin, the governor, freaking love that name. It's a great nickname, man. Such a good nickname. <laughs> so solid. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. He, when you brought up Sean Brady, that was like I was like, mm, dude, nice. That was so yeah. good because with Sean Brady, Sean Brady could be down two rounds, two rounds to nil. And you know that his explosiveness and what he can do in scrambles and his power that he possesses can get him to win that fight. You know, I don't care how the length of the fight goes. I don't care about pacing. I care about people like Gavin Tucker and Sean Brady, who I know who can literally put fists to chin and put the lights out in five seconds. I like Gavin Tucker because he is explosive in those quick exchanges. With Dan Ige, though, yeah, he is a guy that's going to be moving forward. He's a guy that's going to be in your face, and he's going to have the cardio. I actually like the diversity in his portfolio. And what I, what I mean by that is you look at him against Edson Barbosa, Mirsar Bektik. I mean, he's fought the who's who. His most recent canceled bout with Ryan Hall tells me more than anything. Dude, he was ready to say, hey, I'm not. I'm done with the uh, Edson Barbosas and doing kickboxing matches. I want to see what I do on the ground with the Ryan Hall, who's a freaking wizard. He's yeah. so well-rounded. Um, I, he hasn't had the just, I mean, I, when he fought, um, Calvin Cater, yes, Calvin Cater's, you know, his boxing's a level above, but from a well-rounded perspective, dude, this guy is legit. I'm going Danny Ige on this. This is a risky fight because he has everything to lose, but he has the well-rounded, uh, in his arsenal. Yeah. I think if you're looking for a winner here, Danny Ige is a great spot to look. Uh, that being said, I don't necessarily know that from a betting perspective if I'm betting this fight unless I absolutely feel super strongly about either one of these guys. When you're getting them close to pick a money like this, and there are so many variables when it comes to guys like this, um, maybe looking at a you know uh, a result play like by decision or something like that might be the way to might be the way to go. I don't necessarily know that you're just playing them outright. It's still, it's still, it's still so, so tough to call um, because there are a lot of variables here, but I kind of, I like, I like Danny gay. Um, I really like him a lot in this fight. So, all right, we're halfway through the main card. Kate's got two hot takes for us. Let's bring her in here. Let's get one of the two. Here we go. Okay. This one's actually like really hard for me. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Just I given, know. just given the nature of it. Okay, Aljo, dear Aljo. Yeah. Oh, for the love of God, stop mm. celebrating. Mm. I, can't, I can't take it. I cannot take the celebration with this thing. Okay, so you said Drew Dober started talking about this and I was kind of listening to what he was saying in regards to everything. His take on it is very close to what Anthony Smith was faced with. You know, like, I don't want to win this way. I'm going to keep going. If you do win that way, you have one of two choices in that scenario. 
you can one, take that belt, hoist it on your shoulder, say, this is mine, I won, I earned this, I don't care what happened, like, I'm, I'm running, I'm steering right into this, you walk off into the sunset and you own that shit. Yep. Or two, you can throw it on the ground, you can sit there and acknowledge that you were likely losing that fight, you won due to a disqualification, and you know that you're gonna have to take a rematch because you wanna prove that you earned it. Mm -hmm. What you cannot do mm. is throw the belt in the cage and then two hours later post a face-off with Henry Segudo. Mm. You already have a fight in front of you. You cannot do that. You just can't. If you want to take pictures with friends and family and celebrate privately, by all means, you worked very hard. Like nobody's trying to take that from you. Just don't post it. Don't mm. post pictures like this is a regular win. It's not a regular win. I don't care what anybody says. This has an asterisk next to it. It does. So... There. I'm with you. I'm with you. There. I'm, I'm with you. But here, so a couple things have developed, right? So he put out a statement today, right? He put out that three-part statement or whatever on Instagram. Oh, I saw. Right? Okay. Well, he addressed some of that. He said, you know, look, if it was up, I didn't even want to take it out of the out of the bag, right? I, I left it in the bag, but I had all of these people. I had an after-party planned at my house. I wasn't going to tell them to go home. I was going to, you know, go home and 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 celebrate or, you know, enjoy the evening with my friends and family that came there to see me fight, which I, can, I completely get. And he also said that they're the ones that sort of push the issue. Now, there is a video out there, and I have no idea where it was at, but there is some reluctance to him there because he's sitting there, he's got the belt over his shoulder, and he's got a, a beverage in his hand, and his buddy's like, you know, say it, man. You need to say that you're a UFC champion. <laughs> like, you need to say it. And he's like, I'm a UFC champion. And they're like, no, man, you need to believe it. And he's like, I'm a UFC champion. Now, here's the thing. So what, what that says to me, though, is the guy understands that what happened was not, you know, like he he, he said 100 times over, this is not the way I wanted to win the belt. It's not the way I, I saw it going. And, you know, Drew actually put some, put some insight on this here is that he's 100% right. Yawn knew the rules. And deliberately yes. engaged in something illegal, and it disqualified yes. him from it. And as a result of that disqualification, Sterling got the belt. Whether that's yes. the way he wanted to win it or not, it's still it's still a win. We don't have to like it, but it's still a win. I just, you know, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can tell a guy to not celebrate a win. All, all of that, all of that is true. But what he has done by Posting, it's it honestly, it wasn't even the celebration with his family that did it for me. It was posting with Henry Segudo, posting a face off with Henry Segudo, talking about a fight between the two of them. That one was the one that set me off. It's mm. like you don't get to talk about that fight. That fight is not the fight that's happening. That's not the fight that you get to try and stoke the fires on. You have you have work in front of you first. And again, like I totally understand his family wanting to celebrate that. Nobody, nobody should be told how they should spend their free time after a fight. But putting it out there on the internet changes people's perceptions. And unfortunately, this is still very much an entertainment sport and perception matters. And people wanting to watch you fight matters. 
I just that I was hill, ready no? to die on that hill. I was, uh, sorry, Trey, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say he could be the villain. Yeah, exactly. You can you can steer in and be the villain, but he he sat on that bench with tears in his eyes. You know, oh, I hate this. This is so wrong, and this is not how I wanted it to go. And then he's walking off and doing all of the things that are the opposite of that. And I'm going, you can't. He took all the sympathy that he had. And now it's kind of leaning a little bit more towards Jan. Everybody's feeling really bad for him, even though he was the one that broke the rules. It's going to sell a ton of pay-per-views, though, when they do get the fight again. 100%. Which, is, which, which, which I'm, I'm not going to give the credit that that's what he's doing is is starting the process of selling tickets, but it's going to do much larger numbers. Now, the reason yes. why Henry Cejudo hasn't come back is that as, as talented as he is, he does not move the needle. Nobody's tripping over themselves to see Henry Cejudo fight. Even his, even his trash talk, people aren't doing that. And I, I really think that that was more just a, a stage thing of him being there more than anything else. I don't necessarily think that that's a fight that he's pushing for. Now, if it ends up, be, if I'm end up being wrong, I'll take the egg on my face with, with grace. I, that, that, that may be how things ultimately shake out. I don't know, but I really think that it was probably just a product of where he was at at the time, but all the same, Dana White's going to be looking to one legitimize that belt and two, what's going to sell the most tickets. And it's not going to be a fight with Henry Cejudo. It'll be a rematch with Piotr Jan. Which makes me go, why would you even, why would you even, like, why are you even bothering with that? You know what you have to do and you know what the narrative is going to be. I just, I want to, I want to find whoever's running his PR and be like, you need to be fired. But I mean, this, and this is the last, I mean, the only thing I'll say on this whole thing is I thought I've gone back and forth on this a billion times. My whole thing is he, if I was in that moment. I would have liked to have said like Dale and I had talked about, like, Oh, I would have taken it, sat on my stool, come back out, got beat to hell and then lost the belt in a, in a very like, you know, die on my shield type fashion. But at the end of the day, he thought about it politically and thought, gosh, you only get a chance at the belt once. This is a chance for me to get this rematch, readjust, go back to the drawing board and understand where my faults were and see mm-hmm. if I can beat this guy. He's getting a, ch- he's getting a second chance. And yeah. Unfortunate. That's at the expense of him looking like an absolute bitch. That's an expense of him holding up the whole division with the Rob Fonts, the TJ Dillashaws coming back, the Corey Sandhagens. He's holding up a division, but hey, you get one shot, you get one shot only, and he's getting that second shot. So good for him. But it's going to sell a lot of pay per views. Yeah. Here we go. But to that point, this is the other thing that I wanted to say on this subject. This should never be. the fighter to make that call the fact that they spent what was it two and a half three minutes trying to figure out if this fight was called or not well imagine- if, if chris tyone was the ref it, it <laughs> done. imagine for a second that that was a legal knee and aljo had reacted in the same way his body had fallen in the same way fight called fight over no question why is that up to the fighter in that scenario to make that call? I just, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. The ref who in any other KO or TKO scenario has the right to call the fight. Why are we looking at a fighter and asking them to make that decision in that moment? Something to ponder, something to ponder. 
All right. We'll, 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 we'll see you shortly. All right. I We got to get a noise, man. All right. Heavyweight tilt coming up next. Philippe Lins at 14 and five, taking on Ben Rothwell at 38 and 13. Boy, you know me. I love me some big Ben Rothwell. Uh, doesn't do anything good or doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of things pretty good. I like Ben Rothwell a lot, man. Um, he's, he's one of the few like real genuine characters left, man. He is, uh, like a comic book brought to life. I like Ben Rothwell a lot. Uh, and that's good. I mean, honestly, that's going to kind of skew the way that I, that I approach this fight. I've also lost money now on Philippe Lins two times. Uh, it, everything's at a pick 'em here, right? So it's a pick 'em as far as odds go, and it's a pick 'em with the over under being at two and a half. Um, I know a couple people are high up on Lins. Uh, I know a couple people that are high up on Rothwell. I really just want to lean on the strength of the fact that Ben Rothwell does not let anybody fight a clean fight. He makes everything ugly, yeah. he keeps everybody from getting into any sort of rhythm, and he puts you in this perpetual possible split decision purgatory yes. every time you fight them and with that being said mm-hmm. when it's a 50 50 the whole way through yeah. i'm just gonna go with the guy i like more here and i like ben rothwell i think he'll be more active than philippe Lins. philippe Lins is fighting with a pink card or with a pink slip essentially already handed to him he just will get the opportunity to rip it up in the octagon if he happens to beat ben rothwell um i i really just think ben rothwell gets it done though i think you know, just in time for Lins to get cut and ma- still make the PFL season, he can go back to where he came from. I-, I think it's a wrap here. I think Ben Rothwell continues to move on. I would love to see you want to talk about my scenario here. I think Philippe Lins gets beat by Ben Rothwell, and then you give me Ben Rothwell versus, um, excuse me, Ben Rothwell versus Tom Aspinall next. Oh, I know a lot of people think Aspinall deserves a bigger mm. fight than that. But I think that I think putting Aspinall up against a guy that has 50 professional fights, uh, or at this point would, would have 52 professional fights, I think that's a great spot for him. So. I love that, dude. I love that. I love a big dude like that who actually, and this sounds ridiculous, who has cardio. This is a guy that, dude, in the Marcin Tabura fight, what they both threw like 5,000 punches. Yeah, it was a lot. It's insane. And yeah. then, and then someone like uh, OSP moves up from light heavyweight to heavyweight, and dude. He freaking manhandled the shit out of that guy. OSP yep. was running around the cage and he was still able to hold position and then able to get it up against the cage and then you know, do that dirty boxing type style, make it ugly, and gets the win. I think with Philippe Lenz, dude, everyone's putting weight back in his PFL days when the guy was fucking roided out of his fucking mind. Allegedly. Oh, allegedly, yeah. Okay. Allegedly, you can't just tell. You can't tell, say people were on steroids, man. You got to say allegedly. I saw that happen, dude. He was walking into the cage with a needle in his ass. Like that was so apparent, <laughs> dude. Philippe Lens is not the Philippe Lens of yesteryear. It's not the same guy. We've seen him decline significantly. He's not of UFC caliber. You know, they've been trying to make this fight with Ben Rothwell for a while, and I think maybe it's to make an example. This fight's been canceled before. He's lost to Tanner Bozer, lost to Andre Arlovsky. I know that's massive, massive fights in the heavyweight division, but everything prior to that, PFL. The dude has no experience in the UFC, can't deal with the bright lights, and obviously can't deal with his own body in natural form. Ben Rothwell is one of my better bets of the night. That's one of the ones I feel more confident about. Love it. All right, buddy. Co-main event of the evening, Misha Serkinov at 15-5, and five, taking on Ryan 
Span. We're going with Span, right? Span. It's, span. it's not Spawn. Span. 18 and 6. Oh, man. It's been a minute since we've seen Misha Serkinov. Am, am, am I wrong here? I feel like it's been a minute since I've laid eyes on Misha. Um, I don't know. Has, has it been that long? That's what I'm saying. I feel like it's been a Jimmy minute. Crew. Okay. So Misha at a minus 125. Span at a minus 105. I'm going to finish dang near a pick. I'm over under on rounds here is at one and a half. Under one and a half is at a minus 135. Over one and a half is at a plus 105, Trey. I like Misha here, but I'm not opposed to a Ryan Span win because when Ryan Span looks good, he looks really good. And when he's off, he's all the way off. But I like the wealth of experience from a from a very physical, very veteran savvy with only having 20 fights, Misha Serkinov. I think Misha can get it done here. My only concern is what I what I buried the lead here. I haven't seen him fight in a long time. He's he hasn't been very active, and he's coming off of a pretty big loss to Jimmy Crute. So that's my big reservation. You're coming off a big L, and I haven't seen you fight in a long time. It's really hard for me to get super fired up for, with my wallet on how I'm going to see you, you you perform on Saturday night. Can, can you hear that car alarm in the background? Can you hear that? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's uh, It is a car alarm, but I can say it's just like the theatrics of this podcast because – Red alert, bro. Red alert. Someone's Uh-oh. trying to steal your stealing your piggy bank here. Dude, when Ryan Spann fought Johnny Walker, like he was winning the shit out of that fight, right? Yeah. And then Johnny Walker, you know, finishes it with lucky like hammer fist and ends up knocking him out in the game over. Ryan Spann, to me, I, I don't think he's of that, you know, tier one UFC caliber. And I say that because mm-hmm. his wins prior to that came from like Sam Alvey, Devin Clark, uh Big Nog, like Dude, I, I I just don't see it. When when I see someone's been inactive in Serkinov, Serkinov's that type of guy that I like to see in that division. He's the guy that's going to bull rush you. He's going to put all of his effort in the first round. I don't know where the rounds are sitting in this. It's got to be one and a half. It is one and a half. That's why I said minus one and a half is at minus 135. Over one and a half is at a plus, I think it's plus 115 I said. It's because they know Serkinov has one speed and one speed only, and that is die in your shield. I'm going to blast out of the gate. I'm going to try and either get this thing to the ground, get some ground and pound versus Span. I just feel like I don't want to call him a counter puncher, but he doesn't have anything behind it. Mm. If he would have had something behind it, we would have seen that happen in the Johnny Walker fight. He was just touching Johnny Walker up the whole time. He was controlling the fight. He had the octagon tr- control. He had the technique, and he was he was moving in the correct direction. But Serkinov is just a bat out of hell. He's going to come with full force. And I think given, given kind of where he sits in the division, he needs to make a statement. This is going to be under, and I'm going to go with Serkinov because I think when it does get to the ground, Ryan Spann doesn't know what to do. Ryan Spann knows how to stand, keep it at distance, pepper you, get the points, but he's not going to put you out. So you're going with the Cox Mountain Warrior, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's what I'm just going to say. I just like, Cox Mountain Warrior. Boom, dude. I mean, you're talking about a guy, a guy from Latvia. I mean, that is, I mean, that, we're, we're really getting into it there. All right. Main event of the evening, identical records at 18 and three. Leon Edwards taking on Bilal Muhammad. Quick turnaround for Bilal Muhammad coming off that win over which Lima brother? Diego Lima. Mm-hmm. Ate quite a few leg kicks, if I'm honest. That's, that's the big, uh, that's the big fear of mine, right? Is the, is the leg health, the lower body extremity health of one. Bilal Muhammad going into this fight. Outside of that, Trey, I believe this to be quite possibly one of the best value spots that we've seen in a long time. Um, The odds on this one, 
We got Bilal Muhammad at a plus 210, minus 270 for Leon Edwards. Over under on rounds is at four and a half. Yeah. Over four and a half is at a minus 220. Under four and a half is at a plus 180. And that is largely due to the fact that Bilal Muhammad is a decision machine, right? I do not have by decision props available to me just yet. But what I do have is an understanding as I've watched every Leon Edwards fight in the UFC over the course of the last two days. And I believe, seriously, I believe that Bilal Muhammad is going to beat Leon Edwards rather decisively on Saturday. It's funny you say Bilal Muhammad is a decision king because Leon Edwards is a decision king, dude. Of his eight fights, six of those eights have gone to the decision. To me, and you know, I, I want to hear your, your due on this because I'm a little bit worried. I want to go Bilal Muhammad, but I'm a little bit nervous. Leon Edwards is a guy, to me, he's a quintessential British fighter. He's the type of guy that's just going to pepper you with strikes, but where's his biggest vulnerability? It's grappling. It always has been. Bilal Muhammad is a guy that's going to wrestle you up against the cage, has the ability to get this thing out of the ground. I'm not going to say he's going to finish it by submission by any means, but I do think he's going to control you the entire fight and not let you move and or breathe. Leon Edwards, though, dude, he's – what was he? Like prior to his run – like his biggest weakness was the ground game. And then he came back reassessed. He has a grappling game. Now the problem is fucking you're coming in with 602 days of not fighting. You want to go ergo dominant cruise ring rust is, or isn't a thing 602 days against a guy who's doing a quick turnaround in what four and a half weeks or whatever it is. Sure. Blah Muhammad's is game. He's worth the value. I yeah. just don't think this thing's getting done inside four and a half. That's why Vegas has appropriately set that. But I do think Bilal can control the first three rounds and get this thing done. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at submission wins, he's got one over Albert Tumanov uh, back in 2016. Mm. So outside of that, his only other finish came at the hands of beating up Peter Sabata in a fight tray where they stopped the fight with one second left in the fight. And if I'm not mistaken, Peter Sabata had, Almost that I think he had probably three or four successful takedown attempts against uh, Leon throughout the course of the fight. I'm going to run through something real quick. We're going to play a game. We're going to play the could Malal Muhammad beat this person? And it's a yes or no. Okay. Ooh, okay. I love this. All right. It's All right. Great. Dominic Waters. Uh, yes. Vincente Luque. Dude, I, I would say no to that. Brian Barbarena. Yes. Peter Sabata. Yes. Cowboy Cerrone. Yes. Gunnar Nelson. Yes. 170-pound Rafael Dos Anjos. Yes. So that's his eight-fight win streak. <laughs> so one of them, which is a game competitor. Which is a game competitor that you think that, he, that Bilal would have a hard time with, right? I think that he would have a little bit of a difficult time perhaps with RDA doing the durability of RDA. And I think that he would have perhaps uh, a striking disadvantage against Vincente Luque. But again, this was the Luque of 2017, not the Luque that we're seeing that's on fire right now in 2021. So, but the purpose of that exercise is this, is that I don't even think you can look at this eight fight win streak that Leon Edwards is on and say, this is something that should have him at such a huge value against Bilal Muhammad. Because when I look at the opposite end of this, right, if I'm looking at the other side of, 
of this spectrum, right, or the other side of the octagon, red side versus blue side, if I'm looking at these guys that, um, excuse me, that Bilal has has fought before, Bilal has a loss to Vincente Luque. Um, but Bilal has beat Randy Brown, Jordan Meehan, Tim Means, Chance Rencounter. He has a loss to Jeff Neal. Um, Curtis Millinder he beat. Takashi Sato he beat. He beat Lyman Good. And then he beat Diego Lima. The point of all that is, is that these are the guys, like both of these guys are fighting men of the same level. Right. The only variant is RDA and RDA at 170 pounds. I don't really, I don't love RDA to welterweight. I love RDA at 155. Me too. So yeah. I'm, I'm just, that's why I made a point to say 170 pound RDA. So all that to say this, I really think that these guys are probably as even skill set as humanly possible. And I think that when you can get even skill sets at a plus 200 number, you're talking about value, right? We're talking about betting. We're talking about two to one on my money. That's what I'm after. I'm not looking to bet two to one to make a dollar on Leon Edwards against the guy with a similar skill set. I'm looking at the guy where I can get the money. Um, I, I just really love the idea of getting. Um, I love the idea of getting Bilal at a plus two hundred. I think it's worth a shot, man. I really do. I really do, man. I, I just think it's. This is what this is what this is why we're here, right? That's why we're breaking down these fights. Why we're talking about these things. This is a great spot to get. Put yourself in a position to win a lot of money. This is a this is that chance. I love they don't it. come along often, especially in main events. This is a good one. Remember the name, dude. Remember the name. Yeah. Um. So anyway, you got to roll. Yeah. We're, at a, we're at a minute or an hour and thirty, so I know you got to roll out. I have to roll. I'm gonna say and leave you with one thing, real quick. Okay. I have to go put the kids down, but you know what? When I put the kids down, I like to be in comfort. I like to wear uh, board shorts and probably the softest tee I can in the marketplace. And you know where I can find that? The place on your hat. What's the place on your hat? That's right. That is Allegiance Clothing. Guys, if you go to AllegianceClothing.com, you can get the softest tees, not just for your daily life, but you can put it to, you know, where to put down with your kids. Go to AllegianceClothing.com, type in the code PUNCH, and you're going to get 15% uh, off site-wide. Dale, I'm out of here. Hot take, Kate. Rad seeing you. See you guys later. Adios. You want me? I'll bump you out. Go ahead. Boom. He's out. All right. Kate, you're back in. We are at a, we, we're at an hour 30 here. Yeah. Uh, let, we, can, we, can, we can skip the last one. I just want to ask you where yeah. the, my t-shirt is. I, I ordered that sucker weeks ago. You you did. However, the pre-order went to March 1st. Um, I talked to Roy uh, the owner at Allegiance, I talked to him on Friday. He said things were getting print, printed out on Saturday and things would either be going out Saturday or the beginning part of this week. So All I'll, right. send him, I'll send him another message because I do want to update everybody that did order the shirts on, uh, I'm put on Instagram. It's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. All right. Let's give away some money and then yeah. we will save your next, your your other one. Yeah, for, we can talk about that one's not time sensitive. We can talk okay. about that one later, I'm sure. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So let me go ahead and share the screen here. Boom. And then let's give away money to three more people. Ready? And that wheel is ginormous. I feel like it's easily twice as big as last time. It is twice as big. Dun, da, da, da. Andrew Osborne. Jay Osborne. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what happened. Here's why it's twice as big is because I took, I had all the names that were on there last time uh -huh. and there was, there was a lot of repeat people, but there were some new people. So then I put all the new people in there as well. And then I copied and pasted the list twice. So uh -huh. that way everybody's on there multiple times in order, right. but, but your odds are still the same because it's just repeating the same list three times. So 
So, all right. So let's get one, or we got two more here. Nate Fritz. Nate Fritz. Got it. All right. Yeah, we definitely need noise for this. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, I can hear it on my end. There's, there's a fruit. There's like a, Derek Madison. Derek Madison. I don't know why you can't hear it this time because on my end, there's a, a flute and a lyre playing because it's it, Irish folk music. I don't know why you can't hear it. It has to be a setting like where it's yeah. going. It's just going through your headphones uh, or something. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what it is. So anyway, all right. Um, I didn't pay any bills because we started the show with Drew sitting um, here, like ready to rock and roll like the Annick thing. So um, so Trey paid a bill at the very end. I'll pay, I'll pay this one as well. Guys, go to stateglassymeats.com. Use promo code FIST, save 10% on the entire thing. Um, it's the best meat on the planet Earth. I can't say it enough. I, it just it sounds, it sounds ludicrous to repeat myself over and over and over again, but it's 100% the truth. I just, there, nothing else compares. It's, you guys are very good at that. I wanted to I wanted to compliment you both on how you pay yeah. bills. Yeah, I mean it's just I don't know. I like the I like the dynamic ad read. I don't like to just read it off the rip like that, but that's where we are. This this show was just a a whirlwind from start to finish. Whenever your guest hits sure. you up 30 minutes early and says, I have to start right now, that's what you do. So we adapt, we overcome, we'll make some money. We'll see everybody on Instagram live this week. We're gonna put some assets out. Follow us at punchlist MMA, follow hot take Kate at sophisticated MMA. Um figure out how to follow us on Instagram, all that kind of good stuff. And then when you do so, we will have on there how and when and where we are going to break down the prelim fights. Um, we're going to try something new doing it like that. We can have up to four people on Instagram live now. Instagram is being so kind in that regard. So we're going to take full advantage of that. So follow us at Punchless MMA, absolutely everywhere. If you want to shoot us an email, like all the Dagestani neckbeards telling us how much you hate us, do so at chat at Punchless MMA. Um, or you can slide in the DMs and tell me that you hope you get a chance to cut my head off there too. The, uh, the Muslims are in full effect. They, they hate me right now. And justifiably so. I went in on everybody for the Drew Dober fight. And I'll continue to do it. I don't care. Anyway. All right. Let's keep it moving. Kate, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate everybody that tuned in the live stream. And appreciate everybody that listened to us in audio format. Consider consuming this content in the opposite version of the way you're doing it now. So we'll see everybody later. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.